So we're not doing a cheap job. We're just not charging a lot of money to do a great job. Right. And that is the difference between a lot of these online services where, oh, it's $99 a month for your social media. It's canned content. It's garbage. We have clients that have jumped from them to us all the time. And, um, and it, it goes to show you that when you have that personal touch and you're able to really help a small business owner with a, a heart that wants to help them, not just um, looking for a, a paycheck, it, it goes a long way. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stories That Sell again. I am your host, Scott Ramage, and today I have with me... Dan Peterson. He is a marketing and sales training expert with over 20 years of experience in small business management, marketing, and ownership. And uh, he founded Flip Switch Social Media in 2012. Uh, just an interesting guy. A lot of small business stories. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. I love talking to other uh, individuals who've kind of been in the entrepreneurial game for a long time. And that definitely is you. Um, so tell me about flip switch media before we get too, too far into your past. So flip switch was started, like I said, I started it in 2012 and, uh, it was designed for small business owners that needed help with marketing. We started the first two years was just for web design and then it quickly changed into social media and we've ran with that ever since. So we do social media marketing for businesses, which means we do all of their content, their posting, the monitoring, the paid ads, um, all of it, and basically act like the business on their behalf. Now, most recently, we're doing consulting where we actually give you a monthly blueprint. You execute it. This is designed for people to have an internal staff or uh, even the owner themselves who's doing their own social media. We give you a blueprint. You do it for the month. Next month, we review it, rinse, repeat month to month, and that's crushing it right now. Yeah. So. That's kind of the two halves of the business. Uh, social media is kind of important in this day and age. Uh, Just a little bit. A lot of uh, it's funny because we kind of provide very similar services. There's differences for sure, and um, I'm okay with that. I'm very happy with that because uh, not enough people are doing things strategically. Not enough people are being intentional with their social media, and they're like, "Well, I don't run ads, or I don't, I don't really pay attention to it, and I get all my traffic from X, Y, Z." I'm like. If you don't have a good social media presence, even if you're not running ads, someone is going to go look at you and a competitor. And if your competitor is better than you, guess where they're going? Because social media is your social proof. Like how serious are you about your business? Uh, it's no longer yeah. the phone book or, <laughs> or your web page. You've got to have a good footprint in social media. So I think what we offer is phenomenal. And it's funny you said that about the phone, the phone book too, because I got a... <laughs> I got a phone book sent to me. It was a uh, like sitting on my step when I came home one day, somebody delivered the phone books and I'm like, they're still doing this. And I actually did a video with a piece of content. And in the video I said, Hey, look, everybody, I went back in time. I got my time machine and it's now 1988. And here's my yellow pages. I'm like, who is 
honestly, and the advert, like people are advertising. Well, that's why they're what doing is going it. on. That's why they're doing it. Is is they still have salespeople oh. out there going business to business? Hey, we have. 100,000 distribution of this. You could have your name in front of 100,000 people and all it's going to cost you is 50 bucks. Well, the business mm-hmm. owner's sitting there going 50 bucks, 100,000 people. They're not thinking 100,000 distributions with newspapers do too. You know how many newspapers give away their newspaper to schools? And if they give a 200 copies of that newspaper in the, in the, the term educating whatever, that's 200 distributions. And so these numbers yeah. are so off because what are the yellow pages doing? If you go to an impoverished town, they're basically sitting there rotting on the street and in certain neighborhoods, right? So they're yeah. selling inflated numbers and business owners are like, well, gee, 50 bucks, I'll throw a noodle at the wall and see what happens. But uh, right. it's insane. It's That's crazy funny. that it's still out there. I know. Nobody's, nobody's using that. <laughs> nope. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So social media, Google My Business, all those things are the name of the game. And I'm just I'm I'm really pumped to hear other people in this niche because um, small business isn't easy. And I think, you know, I kind of want to hear your story of why you're well, I mean, let's go back, but let's talk about why you're you know, you've told me you're passionate about serving small businesses and there's a very distinct and pointed reason for that. For sure. So I grew up in a small town of 4,500 people, central Illinois, and my parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, they're all entrepreneurs. And uh, a good portion of those people I just mentioned had a store called, it was a Ben Franklin store. And if you're under the age of probably 40 listening to this, you probably don't know what that is. But um, it was a precursor to Walmart. It was like a mini department store. You could get anything there. So it had stationery, like pens, pencil stuff. It had crafts. It had toys. Um, anything you wanted could be found there. And uh, so I grew up in that. And I literally was in that store every day for a decade as my parents and grandparents ran it and even worked. You know, I mopped the floors, uh, helped stock the shelves and, and even help customers. And it, it, that was the first foray that I had into customer service, which is the ground floor of everything that I've done since. And, and I believe it's the ground floor of, of where everybody should have their mindset when it comes to sales, marketing and everything else. You should, it should all be from a value driven prop and not a sales gimmick or, or always asking for the money. So, uh, so I did that. I started in, in that business. And then uh, as I got older, moved out of the house, I ended up managing a couple pizza places. And then uh, they, one of them wanted to make me a regional manager over a couple states in the Midwest. And I was 23 at the time, I think. And I said, nope, I'm not ready for that. And I quit all of it, started a rock band, did that for about six years and uh, did really well with that. We, we were popular, it was fun. And then um, half of us moved to Chicago, half of us stayed in central Illinois. The band broke up, I got married. One thing led to another and I went door to door. And that was my job in Chicago, was doing door to door sales. And that is the job that defines everything I've done since that point. So knocking hundreds of thousands of doors, working my way up very quickly. I was like number three in the country at one point, I think, um, out of like 10,000 reps selling AT&T services early on. And, uh, and it was just a blast. And I had a lot of fun doing it. That gave me the next step, which was managing some offices, ended up owning a couple between Chicago, Champaign, Illinois, and Houston. I managed Chicago, owned Champaign and Houston. Champaign's a town in central Illinois where the University of Illinois is, if you don't know. And uh, so that's what I did. I uh, did that, 
for a few years and then moved back to Champaign. Then we ended up moving back to Chicago and I started flip switch somewhere in that area of uh, 2012. And we've been helping small businesses and, and larger companies too ever since. So I've got a ground floor that is really wide. It's not just deep. It's, it's wide. Absolutely. Uh, a little reverse, uh, band (laughs) doing a band for six years. Like, uh, you were you were making a living being in a band? No, I. Uh, it's funny. So, really good part of this story is, at the time I was still working in the pizza place till like three or four in the morning, and my lead guitar player was like, "We need to be playing gigs. We need to be practicing and stuff." So he got me a job working at a place in Champaign that worked with people with disabilities, and that's what I did. And push come to shove, my wife ended up showing up there to work there. Uh, I didn't know she was my wife at the time, but she ended up being my wife. So uh, they told me to give her a tour of the facilities when she came. She was just starting. So I did. Gave her a tour. Next thing you know, um, here we are all these years later, married. Uh, That was back. We got married in 2008. So it's been, uh, but all of that came from, the cool part about this is that had I not been in the band, I would have had no reason to go work with people with disabilities, which also gave me great insight into humanity. At the same time, it gave me uh, the ability to meet, you know, the, the woman that ended up having that same heart and uh, just, you know, things work out for a reason. So that all came from the band though. Had I not needed a day job from seven to three, instead of working till four in the morning, that would have never happened. Yeah. I, I like that that when you come full circle, like, why did I have, why did I have to do that? Why did I do that work? I have never had a job where I, where later in life, I'm like, I know why I did that. Like there's Mm -hmm. always some sort of purpose or movement or something that happened that led to the next thing or something you learned. And so let's talk about that in relation to, uh, door to door. Door to door Mm -hmm. is like arguably the toughest sales gig in the world. Before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. It is. Um, and I recommend everybody do it at some point in their life. It makes you, it, it gives you this ability to read people in literally six seconds. The second they open the door, you see their persona, you see the vibe, you feel it, you hear it, and you have to adapt on a dime to that. And it is the most amazing training process, real life training process you could get. And, uh, and it made me the salesperson. I, I mean, I could sell ice to an Eskimo now because there is that ground floor 
uh, training that I got. Um, I mean, I'm not joking. Hundreds of thousands of doors that I knocked on. I kind of calculated it one time. And it's just, uh, you know, it's something that most people never get the opportunity to do. But I have mad props to this day and uh, still stay in contact with the people that brought me into that business. And uh, if they're listening right now, they know who they are. Huge thank you to you guys because it's a, it was a game changer. Yeah. What, what about it? What about you know, door to door is really the thing that, that gives you an edge? Well, I'm glad you asked that because, um, you know, moving forward now, fast forwarding past that time frame, and, and working with so many small business owners, especially it, it really comes down to the ability to uh, be patient because sales don't always come. And at the same time, be highly ambitious because your sales, your, your, your money is predicated on sales. You know, it's all commission based. So I feel like if every small business had that same mindset and was able to be patient enough to not think that results are going to come overnight, and this especially works with social media because everybody thinks social media is a uh, flash in the pan thing. You're going to go post a video and the next thing you know, customers flock through the door when you're just started and you should have been doing it a decade ago. Uh, It's just not how it works, right? So that same kind of mindset of patience paired with ambition is what I believe has led me to where I am. But at the same time, it would be a great, uh, great thing for all small business owners to have that same kind of mindset where you don't expect it overnight, but you're still pedal to the metal pushing for it yeah. and, and enjoying the process of the whole thing too. Yeah. Going to people's houses. Uh, I think I, I think you talked about this already with me individually off, off, off recording, but, um, you had some very interesting places you went into and neighborhoods that you worked in. And I think there's a lot to learn uh, in that as well, you know, prejudging folks or pre-qualifying folks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that experience. All of it. Yeah. So um, yeah, Scott, you and I talked about this before this and it's um, part of the door to door stuff that I did in Chicago was in some of the roughest neighborhoods in the country. And I was doing it by myself till like nine thirty at night, and uh, it was it was scary in in hindsight. At the time, I didn't really think anything of it. I don't know if I was a little naive or just whatever, but I was pitching AT and T services to families and homes that where the homes were falling down around. You know, I mean, the neighborhood was in disarray; it looked like a war zone. And at the same time, I'm trying to sell dish network or whatever, and was doing it successfully. But to your point, it, it really was a thing where I can look back on it now, probably not so much at the time while it was happening because you know, I was younger too and whatever, but now I'm looking back at it like, wow, the lessons that I learned and the gratitude from that, you know, to see what, um, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up rich. My parents were very low income, middle income slat, you know, I, I, I don't come from like a lot of money, but I never went without. And I grew up in a nice home and a nice town and all of that. And to see like what the other side of the coin looks like and to interact with those people for months and months at a time, uh, it does give you perspective. It gives you a lot of gratitude. And these are things that I talk about a lot now um, with my personal brand, the Dan Peterson side, not the flip switch side. And uh, and it does. I, I think it stems from some of those stories and some of those things that I saw when I worked in those neighborhoods and, um, you know, and, and at the same time on the positive side, cause that just sounds like it's very negative on the positive side. It really gives you the ability to 
see that everybody's human. We're all people. And there's really good people that are in, you know, the neighborhoods that the media and stuff make it look like it's all just doom and gloom. There, those people are really good people. And, uh, just like there's terrible people in the neighborhood I live in sometimes, you know what I mean? Like it's all just, everybody's human. And, um, that's, those are good lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a lot came from that door to door stuff. Yeah. I've just heard stories and I know that, you know, you're, you're yelled away from the door you know, I, I have a no solicitor sign up. No one can come to my door. They get in trouble. Yeah. So what's funny is you'll like this guy. So the no solicitor signs are the people that we always coached our, you know, I, I trained thousands of salespeople. I always told them like, those are the people that buy. They put those signs up to protect themselves because they know that they don't have the, and I'm not saying you necessarily, but a lot of them don't have the intestinal fortitude to be mean to somebody. Right. So they'd rather let the sign do it for them. So once you get, you know, we, we ignored every one of those signs. <laughs> um, just if you're listening to this and you have a no solicitor sign on your door, they don't do anything. And you probably already know that because you're probably getting your door knocked. Um, but that that is funny you said that because those are the people that we actually closed the most deals with were the no solicitor signs. Yeah. There's another lesson in there somewhere for how you view uh, how you view the uh, pushback that you get in sales and how you overcome it. But that's for another time. Probably. Yeah, and that's those are really valuable lessons too. Is how to overcome objections because um, objections Absolutely. are usually not really what they say they are. Right. Like. It right. just doesn't, uh, it, it's not the end of the conversation if it doesn't, it doesn't have to be at least. So, uh, yeah. um, yeah, like you started your business in 2012, Fa- Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, these guys were early, very early. Are mm-hmm. you a trend? Are, do you see trends ahead of time? Like how, how did you kind of get in so early? I think um, at a macro level, I saw trends where it's like, okay, small businesses are needing help with social media marketing. They're going to need help for the next decade or more. Uh, But I do remember when I started the company, I remember telling my wife that we've got about a five to 10 year runway here to help the older, and when I say older, I mean my age, I'm 43 at the time of this. And, uh, you know, I'm a dinosaur in social media terms, but that older group of 40, 50, 60, 70 year old business owners that didn't grow up with this stuff, they are going to need help until the teens, you know, a decade ago who were teens are now in their twenties and early thirties until they can start doing the social media for these businesses themselves. And even some of them becoming business owners. So I knew we had like a decade of runway where we could grow this thing to a point where it was something substantial before our biggest uh, competition was people inside the businesses, which is kind of why we're now pivoting and doing more of the consulting and training because I see the writing on the wall and I don't want to be left, you know, losing clients over time because they uh, are all having their nephew do it, which by the way, does not work. Half of those people come back to us after like two or three months because there is a element of expertise that we obviously bring that is really important. And, um, you know, the, the kid in the basement isn't doing the same job that an agency does. So I'm not, I don't really look at that as competition, but at the same time, I, I do see where the younger people that started in social media are going to be the next wave. Yeah. And that's, of doing that's it. a reality. I don't know how many clients have said, Hey, you know, our social media is going over to, I have this girl at the desk who's going to do it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll talk to you in 30 days. <laughs> 
Right. I don't say that, but I'm thinking it in my head and I'm very grateful that they were clients. And um, the truth is it's for a business owner, it seems really easy. Like this is something super easy that, and they're tech savvy and they're on Instagram or Facebook all the time. That doesn't mean they have any technique or any, any intuition on how to attract people. And I think that's the, the, the biggest issue. And then connect, you know, just, I, I see business owners and maybe you see this a lot is they will assign somebody in their business who has another role. They have the role of like a front desk, well, you got time. Mm-hmm. You should do social media. You're always on Facebook. Time does not equate to good at certain things. And we're talking about marketing. When it comes down to it, whether you're paying for it or not, it is a marketing tool and a right. one that you should be extremely strategic on and consistent on. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw it out there that consistency no, and professionalism are very important. That's it. And the the consulting that we're doing, I think, brings a level of um, accountability mm-hmm. to the table where, OK, so you got this internal person doing it. Great. Here's how we can make them better. Yeah. And it's not expensive. That's the thing. Like the whole way I built this business was to make sure that it was affordable because I come from that background where a few hundred bucks a month is, you know, that's maybe the whole marketing budget for some of these small businesses. So um, so that's where I kept it in line with I kept it in line with the old newspaper ad. Price. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, <laughs> The truth is in most small businesses is, you know, and not all of them, but most, when I decide that I'm going to spend $500 on X service, I'm literally taking that money from my own personal like pay. Like that's right. Like, okay. Can I live with $500 less per month to get this in hopes that it will get me a thousand dollars a month. But that is a gap that's really hard to, mm-hmm. to fill. Like I, I got to go without for a couple months to get to more. It's a really hard gap to fill. And so I really like that you're trying to, you know, working at keeping it incredibly affordable. Um, I think that must be incredibly hard to scale. And we had talked about that offline as well. And I, I commend mm-hmm. you for being able to scale it at such an affordable price. But I think that says a lot about your commitment to small business owners, because that can't be easy. No. And it was always the the game from the beginning. It was all about, uh, going extremely wide and having clients, you know, not paying super large amounts of money, but, um, but doing it at a scale where quantity and quality come together. So we're not doing a cheap job. We're just not charging a lot of money to do a great job. Right. And that is the difference between a lot of these online services where, oh, it's $99 a month for your social media. It's canned content. It's garbage. We have clients that have jumped from them to us all the time. And, um, and it, it goes to show you that when you have that personal touch and you're able to really help a small business owner with a, a heart that wants to help them, not just um, looking for a, a paycheck, it, it goes a long way. And so we were told in the beginning that there was no way this business model will work because you can't have the volume to make it scalable. And we've proven that wrong now for a decade. But, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, it, it comes down to just, I think, a little bit of karma in there, you know, where when you do right by people and you're really trying to help them, good things come back to you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 there's two ways to see most plays. It's like volume or uh, value versus price. So you get a lot more out right. of less people or a little out of a bunch of people. It just depends on which way you want to roll the dice and who you're trying to serve and how you're serving them. So it makes sense. Right. Um, 
And the world is abundant. I wanted to throw this in there a minute ago too. Like you were saying in the early part of this interview, you know, you said uh, that you're in the same business as I'm in, for, you know, at least half of it's probably sort overlap. Of, yeah. And that's perfectly cool because there's also a million other companies right here in Chicago that do what FlipSwitch does, right. let alone the whole country and the whole world. But the world is abundant. And I ran into this problem earlier this year when I was at an event and one of my uh, she said we were competitors. I didn't think we were competitors at all, but um, she had an event that I ended up going to because my client was there and I um, got asked to leave the event because she was so worried about me talking with other people that were on that level. And I got home and I was like, I was upset by it, not because I need to be there because all that, but my client asked me to be there. Not, I didn't just like barge in and try to go to her event. But the thing is, is like the world's abundant. And when you think that you, I'm that big of a threat, it was kind of a compliment, to be honest. Yeah. But when you think that like I'm that big of a threat just to be in a room of people when all of them could have been marketers, that whole room could have been marketers like me. And we could have all went out and gained just as much business. Might have to go a little farther away from home, but it's all out there. So the, that that's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to take away from this conversation especially is that the world's abundant. You don't have to compete with people. Just go get yours yeah, and let other people get theirs. Yeah. That's something that I, I kind of struggled with early on in my entrepreneurial journey, but it went away really fast. I'm like, <laughs> it almost seemed like the more competition, like I went, my very first business, like brick and mortar business was a bike shop. And I almost did more business when the other bike shop came into town. And it was a small town and there was three of us there and another guy comes into town. You're like, what the heck? But then you're like, I have stuff he doesn't have and vice versa. And we would send, mm. we started sending each other our clients like, Hey, he's, he's way more specialized in that area. I'm more specialized in this area. And it worked amazingly well. We both thrived and cool. both of us out thrived the other bike shops in town because we had that mentality. We're like, Hey, you know, for this type of bike, I don't really service that. Jack does. Go see him. He's an awesome guy. And that was reciprocated in a small town. And we both, sure. both thrived in a small town. And I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned in thinking the, the, the harm of thinking small. But I, right. I have found that competition, and this has been talked about a lot, but I, I think it helps. I think it helps. Mm -hmm. It helps keep me sharp if I think hmm, someone else is doing this. What are they doing? How can I learn? How can I sharpen my sword and, and make sure I'm serving my customers so they don't want to pivot to the other guy. And Hey, if they do pivot, what can I learn from that? Why? What did, where did I go wrong? Was it customer service? Was it delivery of product? Was mm -hmm. it communication? Was it price? And like, okay, sure. They're smaller, pri lower price. Then I'm just going to get better at what I do so I can keep my prices and stay in my sweet spot. And I think that that's yeah. really you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he told me that business owner was out of business at this point, quite honestly. Well, they're not. But the, what I just gained from what you said is is very true. And it's those micro losses that you get in competition that lead you to where you end up being a winner, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now. And that's why I disagree. And I'm, you probably do, too, with, uh, you know, like the giving out trophies to fifth, sixth, eighth, 10th place, or everyone for that matter. 
Uh, that whole kind of mindset is wrong, not because of the intent behind it, but because of the outcome from it. And it's one of those cases where you're teaching people that competition isn't uh, something or loss in general. Losses aren't something that you can learn from. Instead, you need to be awarded some level of win, regardless of how much you lose. And that is just absolutely not true in life. It's not true in business. And it doesn't lead to any level of success. Right. I'm going to say amen to that <laughs> big time, <laughs> big time. I, uh, I was an educator for 13 years and left because of the, the trophy mentality, the, um, you know, everybody deserves something. And I'm like, BS, no, right. no, you, you got to earn what you get. And like, look, failure is a lesson. Failure is a win. If you turn it into a win, if you fail and we give you a trophy, you're not learning anything. And so, right. uh, yeah, I, in business, man, business is cutthroat. It's not cutthroat against each other. It's just every decision you make will have some sort of consequence, good or bad. And if we yep. can't get that feedback on what we're doing wrong, we'll never improve. Right. Yeah. You, you end up living in your own bubble, your own, uh, echo chamber. Yeah. So this pivot you make, so, I mean, you're obviously not going to stop serving your clients. This is one thing that I want to like as business owners, I'll be, I'll be talking about my VA business, my, my, you know, my service over here. And then I'm like talking about my podcast service and people are like, well, I thought you did the VA. Yeah, I do. Well, <laughs> well how are you doing? <laughs> like you can do more than one thing, do at, a time. More than one thing at a time and you can do it well. And if you, if you systemize things, you can take yourself out of the operations of the business and just work on a full, on a higher level, just in that business with five hours a week. And that's, that's you know, right. and it sounds like that's probably where you're pivoting right now is like, Hey, I'm going to build out my personal brand. I'm going to help people be better. I'm going to teach them to do what we do, but really well. Right. Right. And that is kind of what it is. And it's, I should clarify too, the consulting side goes way deeper than social media. It is much more, complete business, complete marketing, complete sales, all of it rolled into one. In, in fact, I mean, I've met with people and I've said, look, your strategy needs to be to create all this social media. So have, you have social proof. So when people look you up, you have all this proof that you do what you do and you're good at it and so on. But the real sales are going to come from you printing out 50 of these handbills, these flyers and going out and knocking on 50 businesses doors, walking in, telling them who you are, why you're better, why you do what you do and building relationships and going to chamber of commerce events and having webinars and hosting events and doing all these things in quote unquote real life in person while you're building your social media side of things, which is the social proof. So when people Google you or they Google anything related to you, hopefully you come up and you can show that you're, you know, you're experts in what you do, but it's gotta be both things. People get too uh, pigeonholed into one thing, yeah. whether it's digital or real life, whether they think that direct mail is the only way to go or they think social media is the only way to go. A lot of times the answer is both. Um, certainly getting out of your chair and going and knocking on doors, which as you can tell, I'm a proponent of from my past. <laughs> well, I, I made a very interesting move um, two months ago in my business. And, you know, we do a lot of social media. Obviously, we do it for ourselves. We do it for my brand. And I hired a marketing person who does everything but that. So she's like, hey, let's look at your website. Let's look at your email copy. Let, let's think about if we should be mailing things out to people. Let's look about whether, mm -hmm. you know, you should be advertising in XYZ. It's really cool. And it's given me a lot of energy yeah. to work with somebody just 
that's seeing a much bigger picture and saying, oh, here's one another way we can reach an audience or here's another way that we can do X, Y, and Z. In fact, it's the girl that introduced us, Jill. She's, inc- oh, she's incredible. Cool. And, you know, the assets she's bringing me while I'm thinking social media, social media, social media, I'm like, oh, I need attention over here, right? And so it's been really yeah. cool. And I think business owners can get really like tunnel focus on I need to run funnels or I need to do ads or both or, you know, I need to just do be doing, vi- I need to get viral content. All of those work. All of them work. But spread your net wide. And- <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. The and is what it is. It's so many people get stuck on this or that, and they don't, they don't allow themselves to realize that there's lots of ways to get to a goal. Yeah. And this isn't just entrepreneurship. I mean, this is life in general. Like there's so many things that people do that take their focus away. It's ironic. So their focus goes on one thing, which ultimately takes the focus away from everything because they're so focused on one thing, whether it's one platform on social, like, Oh, I can only do Facebook. Cause that's, you know, I only sell to 50 and 70 year olds. Okay. Well, great. But what about, are you, are you staying in business for another decade? Because guess what? Those twenties and thirties, some things are coming up and you need to be where they're at too and build deeper. And I mean, there's so many things that go into that, but that's funny. Yeah. Well, hi Jill. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely love having her. Uh, I, she's like a team member to me. Like I feel literally feel like she's on my team, which is incredible. Um, yeah, she's good people. Yeah. Yeah. So your service is going deep on all sorts of business systems, business things that they need to be paying attention to and and um and like leveraging. What do you mm-hmm. think the future of social media is? You you know, we got all these young people coming into the into the workforce. How do you see that changing it? You know, do you do you have any interpretation of like focus or what might happen, what might not happen? So, yes. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a bunch of teens and 20 somethings coming up in the workforce who know a lot about social media. They know how to do it. They know how to produce it because it's not that difficult. You just you know go on TikTok. You, they, they tell you how to do it. The buttons are there and all that. So you're going to go on. They're going to go on and do this for business owners. The problem is, is the business owners are going to put their hand up and say, wait a minute. We're not ready. We're not going to help you create content. And they're not going to say this directly. It's going to all come through. It's the same kind of feedback and pushback that we get as an agency. It's like, you need to be producing content internally while we're working on everything from a 30,000 foot view. Do they do that? A few. Most of them don't. Most of them are in their business, working on their business, and they're not helping us, so to speak, to build the content out the way it could be if we could just hold hands and do it together. Mm -hmm. Because they're there and we're not. We can't be there every day. Now, these new teens and 20-somethings are going to be there every day. They're going to be in-house. And I guarantee you, mark my words, they're going to get the same pushback from those owners. And they're going to have to jump through hoops and fight those owners to get them to open the the gates and allow that teen or 20 or whoever, that younger worker, to do what they know how to do. They're going to have to get out of their way and let them do it. Yeah. And that's going to be the hurdle. I think that there's going to be a, a, you know, you say hurdle. I think it's going to be like a a speed bump, but it's going to be a really large speed bump that they're going to have to get over yes. before they realize, Oh, there's momentum on the other side. There's, mm-hmm. there's something here. Um, yeah, I think, I think no, you're that, right. That's it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things, but uh, you know, to answer your, the rest of your question, the future of social media um, it's in, it's all in the creative at this point. 
uh, you know, one of the things that Flipswitch is getting into now heavily is uh, video. Um, and I'm not talking just TikTok and stuff like that. I'm talking like actually produced video where, uh, you know, all of these OTT services like, uh, and, you know, streaming services, Hulu, Netflix, uh, Pluto, Tubi, they're all um, giving small business owners the capability to create ads for a much, much, much cheaper price than we've ever seen before. You know, whether it's pre-roll or in-service ads that you're watching uh, some show on, you know, could be a rerun, could be new streaming. And because you live in XYZ town and you make this level of money and you have kids and this and that, here's this ad that pops in. And that ad is specific to your town and your geo-targeted area. The difference is, is that these ads are hated. Nobody likes them because when you're watching your show, the last thing you want to see is an ad pop in. So the creative is where everything's at. And that's what my company is getting into is how can we create content for these small to mid-sized companies that's entertaining, that is its own show. So when it does come up, you want to watch it. And that is the key. Uh, commercials are are dead at, at the way that they are now anyway, just like cable TV. They have to be extremely captured. They have to capture the imagination to be way over the top. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly. Yep. It's the scrolling mindset that we've all got used to where you got two seconds of screen time per, per image or per video. And you only stop on the ones that immediately grab your attention. And I think you've seen this. I've seen it. Like my wife did one where the dog came in and interrupted her workout. She does workout videos and she created a reel and she, the dog didn't come into like three seconds. And so the views were maybe a thousand, right? On her reel. Mm -hmm. There was a reel that I made where the first frame was the dog licking her in the face or right in her face. Right. And mm -hmm. then it rolls into what the scenario was seven, eight, nine, 10,000 views. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. That it's that immediacy. Like it's literally nanoseconds. One second. It's yeah. so yeah. short that you have, and that's, yep. what's going to have to happen. Right. We're not going to watch the story unfold anymore. We're going to be no. like, Whoa, that was cool. And and it, it, that's going to be hard to compete. It's going to take a lot of creativity. And mm -hmm. I just, uh, sometimes I, I just watch, I, I look at reels as research. And I'm watching what's mm -hmm. happening in the beginning, what's happening in the little preview that you see looping. Yes. And you're like, oh, I need to see the next se sequence. And then I sit down and I'm like, okay, what can I do? And I'm, I, I'm just like, I can't compete at that creative level. It's insane. It's changing so incredibly fast. And I think right. that's where you're right. There's going to be a real market there. Hey, we are ridiculously creative and we're going to make sure your things are seen. And I like the idea of that kind of that low hanging, cheap, cheap ad space, but mm -hmm. you got to take it from that really strategic point of view and do something uh, outlandish or, or incredibly entertaining in a very quick time. Yeah. I mean, in what world do we live in where, to this point, a small business, like, you know, or a local restaurant or whatever could get ads in the middle of Game of Thrones streaming or things like that. You know, it's like somebody's watching this show and that would be a million dollar ad up until now where things are coming down to scale. And now for a thousand or two thousand dollars, you can put an ad in that's targeting exactly the person that you want to watch it literally within a five minute drive of your business. Yeah. Yeah. That's so we're there. That's, that's incredible. I had a friend who, a great friend of mine, 
And um, he messaged me a few days before Christmas. He's like, I have a, I have a reel going viral. I'm like, okay, let's get on the phone. And he's like, okay. When he, he's like, I have half a million views. And then by the time we got on the phone, it was 1 million. Next time we talked, it was 1.5 million. This thing is still going. And he's been doing the same kind of content for a long time. It's really good. He gets banned all the time because it's ice baths and he's up in North Canada and it freezes and he's breaking it with an ice and he's getting in. And, you know, they're like, this is dangerous. This kills people. Dangerous. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And he's talking about, you know, mental fortitude and um, having, you know, doing healthy things. And this is dangerous. Uh, but he's like, one, one million. And like, I'm like, okay, all right. We have to hop on the phone. We, he's a client of mine. We have to make sure you are set up where these people actually have somewhere to go. And lo and behold, he was. Yes. He was. He, that is it. Yeah. He's like, okay, I've gained 11,000 followers on Instagram. I'm like, wonderful. Does everything in Instagram point toward your offer? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay, do you have a way to follow up with them? Do you have a way to capture their email? Uh, no. You better get on it. Write a 12-part series of how to start your cold exposure journey so that you have their email. Do something this Mm -hmm. very – stop. I know it's the holidays. Stop and do something. And um, this is – my whole point is it's great to make content. But make sure you got your net ready so that when it it hits, you can actually cash in on it. Uh, Have all arrows pointing at whatever your offer is. Yep. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's well said. Yeah. I don't know how many million views he has on that, but of course it, it <laughs> all his videos now are getting much more views because he does it every single morning. He's been doing it for who knows how long. Um, but well, uh, And you just touched on that too. So here's another thing that I think a lot of business owners don't realize. They still think of things in terms of likes and follows. So it's like, oh, my page only has 500 followers or this or that. They don't realize you can create one video that gets 500,000 views and overnight you have 50,000 followers. It actually happens. It happened to my daughter. She was two or three. I, she locked herself in the bathroom. I grabbed a camera, my phone and recorded her trying to get out of the bathroom and her little cute voice is coming through and all this. It had a million and a half views overnight and she had 12,000 followers on this on TikTok overnight. Yeah. She went from 10 to 12,000 in 24 hours. That never happened before. I want to speak to the other side of that because I've been doing consistent podcasting and posts for my brotherhood of fatherhood for three years, almost Mm -hmm. three years. And, you know, I have a group and I look at the analytics. I'm like, oh, 200 people saw that video. Awesome. Like not. Right. (laughs) And but the, the truth is, is that likes and interactions on that post do not indicate how many people are paying attention uh and true so the 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 deep level of impact that can be happening because i've had guys message me and say oh that what you said in that clip they didn't comment they didn't do anything literally may have saved my marriage i'm like what like who are you and they're like then other guys like hey i'd love to have a 10 minute talk with you i've watched every single thing you've ever put out i'm like well thanks for nothing you haven't you haven't but this is taking the next step. Right? This is more common than not for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a ton of, you know, 4,000 guys, my Instagram stinks, but those are the messages I'm getting. So 
you also have to understand that the impact can be much greater than numbers indicate because you're laying yes, this on both sides. really deep foundation of this is what I offer. This is who I am and I'm not wavering from it. And so it's whether it's a service, right. this is what we do. This is what we do. We do it with excellence. Here we are. We're showing our authority. We're showing our knowledge. And people are like, you know, they're not taking the time to like it or make a comment. But when their toilet gets clogged and you're the, you're the plumber that's been putting out constant information about, hey, if your toilet gets clogged, do this. Free value. Do this. Do this. But if they ever get stuck beyond that, guess who they're going to call? They're going to call the person who gave them great value for years or months or whatever it is. So, like, you just you got to be prepared for the big. You've got to you've got to understand that the little is doing a lot. Yeah. And and stick with it. Back to our early point, you know. It's it's patience. Yeah. It comes down to just the the grind and just getting in there and just doing it and keeping it and doing it and doing it and doing it and not I mean this happens with people like you and me and creators and it happens on the other end on the the business owner side. Well, I posted three things for lunch and nobody came into my restaurant. Okay. And have you posted 3000 things for three years and then maybe take a snapshot and see how it's working. And I'm, that's an exaggeration. I mean, but you know, take it in a two or three month window. Okay. Have you seen lunch business grow in three months because you've been doing this? No. Well, maybe it's the creative. Maybe you didn't do a good job in the right. front end, right? Adjust what you're putting out and then see if the results come in. It's an always an Rinse, AB test. Always be running AB that's tests. It. Like what works? What that's doesn't literally work. why Facebook. Yeah. That's why Facebook gives you AB test capabilities with ads. Yeah. I mean, they even know that and they're, they, they put it right there in the, in the machine for you. And you so even wonder if they want you to win. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Well, that's another conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys help with ads as well then, right? We do it all. Yeah. Wow. That's a interesting nuts. nut to crack. It's changed yeah. a lot. Well, and where we've, it has, and where we've really seen success with this. And I think this is a really good piece of value for the listener is that we go very, very hyper-local with advertisements and super specific. So if you are trying to sell um, widgets to a 35 to 45 year old mom with two kids, and that's your perfect customer, right? Because you know this because you've sold to that demographic for years and you're trying to get them to see your ad, you create an ad for, you know, I live in Frankfurt, Illinois. So you go on there and, hey, Frankfurt moms, do you have two kids that are driving you crazy? Here's the widget that'll keep them in, you know, like that level of specificity and being able to then target it with the right amount of ad dollars to actually get results. Those two things combined. Whereas everybody else, they just put the ad out there. They throw everything against the wall. They run it for 50,000 people, men, women, children, grandparents, everybody, when only 20% are the actual customer base. Right. And they need to know that they can dial that in. Right. But you got here, back to our point, you got one second to grab their attention. So you've got to say, hey, Frankfurt. That's not a lot of time. No, it's not. Audio and written word needs to be, hey, Frankfurt moms, because then at least it's like, well, I'm a Frankfurt mom. Yeah. And then you get two more seconds. You bought yourself two more seconds. Well, that's another thing that we could talk about is the the importance of really dialing in on who your audience is. Do you help people do that? Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that a little bit. We do. Yeah, we we run um, a lot of targeting for people. And and whether we do the ads or they do it, we help them. I had a meeting before this, uh, just a couple hours before you and I sat down here doing the exact same thing, helping um, helping a lady figure out how she can target her exact demographic in a community of 
her, her demographic, like it's 2000 people. That is it. Wow. She has 2000 people that she can possibly get to do this thing. I can't really go into detail about it, but it's 2000 people. It's her whole audience. Now, how do you get those 2000 on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and so on to see you and hear you and pay attention? That's as targeted as it gets, you know? Yeah. So uh, whether it's that micro scale or if it's on a larger platform or larger scale, um, I think it's important that business owners do that. But here's the biggest tool that they can use, and that is Facebook and Google mm. and real life. Yeah. You know, go in and see what your actual customer use. Use your intuition. You know, yeah. use what you've learned from running this business for X amount of years or from doing this thing for X amount of years. That's gut intuition that it always pays. And um, it works out well. You don't always have to think that sometimes uh, my point is you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. If you know who your customer is, think reverse engineer, think where they're coming from. What would they look at? What would they like to see? Where do they live? Who are they? So on and so forth. And then just run the ad for that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are fearful of narrowing down their, their niche or, you know, who they're targeting. And it's like, no, right. I once heard the the owner of design pickle, like a, it's a design service, a monthly design service, kind of brought design mm -hmm. to the masses to the small businesses. And um, yeah. he was talking about his analogy was, okay, he's like, I live in um, Nashville area. And if I were to do Nashville proper only, and I had a business that painted the toenails, did intricate artwork on the toenails of cats. If I were to say, I do uh, cat, you know, paint nail paintings and, and I'm, I'm probably not going to get very, I'm not going to get a lot of customers. If I tell people I paint intricate art on your pat cat's paws on these nails, you will, you will thrive in your business. If it's, even if it's just within that circle, it's like, that's the importance yeah. of niching down. Like the crazier, right. the, the tighter it is, the better you're going to be. Meanwhile, as business owners are thinking, I need to cast a super wide net and try to get as mm -hmm. much as I can. But then we just end up working with people we don't like. We start painting yeah, dog toenails yeah, or right. whatever, right? And when it comes to ad to dollars, it's a total waste of money. Yeah, that's a really uh, crazy analogy there, Scott. I've never heard anybody use the cat toenail painting as an analogy. Well, he's you're trying to make on, an though. extreme point, right? Like you can't yeah, no, you're right. down enough. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, it's exactly right. We always say... If you've got $100 to spend on an ad, it's better that you reach the 50 people that might buy from you 10 times than to reach 50,000 people 0.8 times each Yeah, and never get a sale because it gets lost in all of the noise. There's just so much noise on social media. You've got to really stand out, which to beat the dead horse comes back to the point I've made three or four times now, which is the creative side of it. Yeah, It all comes down to creative. That is everything right now with social media. Beyond that, nothing really matters. And that's why it's so incredibly to hire help in the creative. Because, I mean, yeah. unless that's your superpower. But there's people who literally thrive on this. So you've got, you mm -hmm. find them and you use them. <laughs> it's incredibly right. important. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you, you can put out 15 pieces of content a day. And if it's boring, it's just not going to hit. There's just no way right. around it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Dan, it's been really fun talking uh, all of your, all of your, your connections and how to reach Dan, you guys are in the show notes. So don't be shy. Um, do you work just with local or do you work? No, national? we have clients in like 
Uh, coast to coast. Yeah. Okay. Anywhere in the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. So you guys can find him there, especially if you're just in that social media need or that, uh, his consulting services, which sound awesome. I would highly suggest anybody that has a business that hasn't gone down that road to definitely get an outside eye. It's, uh, no matter how good you think you are, an outside eye is going to make you 10 times better. There's no way around it. Thank you, Dan, so much. That. Anything you want to say before we close this one out? Yeah, not much. Just uh, I thank you for having me on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. And uh, anybody that wants free help from me, I'm happy. I, I'll have conversation after conversation with people. No charge. I'm not a lawyer. I don't charge you per call. <laughs> so uh, feel free to hit me up anytime. I'll dump all the knowledge I can on you. It's really just about helping people. And that's what I would say, like a hint to all these all business owners, like hop on the people that will give you a free call, free consultation. You know that they are value driven. Um, it's uh, I'm happy if someone hops on a call with me and I can give them the answers in one call. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm not going to get them as a client, but who knows what down is coming down the road. And I gave them all that value. And I know you're the same way with that abundant minded um, approach. So I really appreciate that. You bet. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Do Dan a favor, subscribe, rate, review, because that gets more ears on him. It gets more ears on you. If you become a a guest, if you want to be a guest, shoot me a message. Scott at mediamachine.info. I love having business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, authors on this podcast. Reach out to me. I have no shortage of people, but I'd love to talk to you too. And uh, have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.